So today is the 21st of November, 2020, a Saturday. We gather together to practice the Dhamma, to train our minds, train our minds to have more knowing, more wisdom. And this wisdom is something that's very important. We see some individuals are born into the world with a low level of wisdom and perhaps have difficulty learning and understanding things. Some are born with a high level of wisdom and can learn and understand very quickly. Similarly, some individuals see the Dhamma very quickly. They may listen to only one Dhamma talk and then they can realize stream entry or arahantship just in the course of that one Dhamma talk. Even there are stories of uh, individuals just seven years of age with a high level of wisdom and could see the Dhamma at that age. One example is the younger brother of Venerable Sariputta named Ravata. He was uh, just about seven years old or very young and his mother was worried that he would uh, go ordained, so arranged for him to marry at a, at a very young age, maybe just around eight years old. And uh, But the Venerable Ravada had great wisdom, and he sought, sought a way out of this situation, so he's able to run away, ordain as a novice, and realize arahantship. And the reason he ran away was during the marriage ceremony, at one point there was a blessing for long life for the bride and groom. And Venerable Ravada saw the grandmother of his bride, uh, who was very old, and he saw that uh, she was not attractive, not appealing to, to look at and the body, the skin, the teeth were all degrading. And uh, and 80 years old or more than the body uh, is just not attractive in this way and is also, also suffering, also painful and stressful. So Venerable Ravada saw this and had the wisdom to know this very quickly. And this was the cause for him to, to seek out ordination at such a young age and this resulted in his uh, attainment of our hardship. So for ourselves we also see old age uh, sickness and death we know and witness for ourselves uh, friends and relatives that are old or sick or die or us ourselves may be old or sick but we don't still didn't accept that this is the reality, that this will also happen to us, that we'll grow old, get sick, and also die. And we can ask ourselves, what can we take from this world? What can we take with us when we die? We see that the monastics and Kubajans and great uh, good qualities in their hearts and great spiritual virtue in order to renounce the world. And we can see that even if we or we're not even reached a hundred years of age and 
before we even reach a hundred, we're already old and already sick. So the body just can't can't be strong all the time. And this is uh, the way of nature. This is something that's true. So those with wisdom see this truth. And so while we still have strength and energy, then we practice to train our minds to have mindfulness with the chanting. And we can reflect on the differences between animals and humans. How are they different? Animals have a high level of stress and suffering. They're constantly seeking a way to sustain their lives, uh, seeking to survive. And they live in great fear, fear of death and danger, um, much of the time or all the time. And they have no time and no opportunity to develop their minds to increase in goodness and increase in wisdom. <coughs> the mind of an animal is uh, placed in a body and a brain that just is very difficult to develop and learn and grow, a very low opportunity to develop. However, as humans, we have a very good opportunity to grow and develop. And we can see that the animal, we can say, is, it walks uh, horizontally. It doesn't, doesn't increase or grow. And, it's, and they can't collect their minds in concentration. We can compare this to someone who's drunk. They can't walk or stand straight. And they can't collect their minds in samadhi during the time that they're drunk. So, but a human in a normal state of mind, they are able to practice meditation, mental cultivation, and do chanting. And they are able to train their minds to do shamatha practice. They are able to develop. And one thing that is very important to develop is right view. Right view is something of a very high level of importance. For example, believing in goodness, believing in merit believing in rebirth and future lives, believing that uh, karma, the results of actions, uh, is, a, is a law, that whatever karma we make, we receive the results of that action. For instance, one does good and one goes to a good place. So these are aspects of right view. If one has wrong view, then it just makes everything wrong, everything in one's life. For instance, uh, one doesn't believe in goodness and the results of goodness and so one doesn't rejoice in the goodness of others and they may even have jealousy uh, towards others and not respect uh, anyone and not accept uh, why people are born into different circumstances in this world due to a lack of conviction in the law of karma. So this right view, this straight, straight and correct view, leads to the end of suffering, leads to Nibbana. So on this path, we need to build merit. And so merit and goodness, uh, what are the types, or what are different types of merit? One type is uh, dana, giving, and we sacrifice things, we give them away. And we normally, people think that the various things belong to them. They think, oh, this is mine, this belongs to me. 
but we can even look at our very own human bodies. These bodies are merely something that's borrowed from the world. Um, it's just the elements of earth, air, fire, and water uh, gathered together, just uh, temporary, temporarily on loan from the world. So we have these bodies and we seek out even more things in the world to claim as ours, to claim as mine. We can see that even the self is not ours, even the self that we cling to is not mine, is not ours. We're just here temporarily, we can't find any permanence anywhere. So the Buddha uh, knew this about humans, that they cling to things as me and mine, and uh, that humans cling to wealth and seek out wealth and want to accumulate it and feel like the wealth belongs to them. So this is one of the reasons the Buddha taught uh, dana as a as a primary teaching, one of the first uh, teachings he introduced to people. So people, if people give uh, dana to others in society and practice not harming others and practice uh, self-sacrifice and giving, then this is something that's very beautiful. Then everywhere in society, everywhere where this is happening and people practice this will have development and prosperity. And this is a great goodness that one can do oneself, whether others do it or not, one can practice this oneself. So one practices to have faith, to practice generosity, and this, this makes the heart and mind uh, peaceful and at ease. And the benefit of giving is a fresh uh, mind that feels uplifted. We see that there are many poor people in the world. There are many, many uh, people in poverty around the world. And in various countries, uh, people may be poor and only have just one cent or five cents on their person. There was an example of one uh, poor person who went to McDonald's with this, uh, such a low amount of money, just one cent or five cents, and looked, what, what can they buy with this amount of money? They were so hungry, they just wanted even just a little bit, even just being able to buy just one French fry. Uh, they just wanted just even a little bit of food because they were so hungry. And the, the person working there, the person selling the food, felt this loving kindness and this desire to help this poor individual. So we can see that this loving kindness and compassionate wish on the part of the seller, this is an old uh, good karma of that impoverished individual. Even though in that present lifetime they're experiencing the results of uh, painful karma. So the food seller, the employee of McDonald's helped this uh, impoverished person and gave them a lot of food, gave them so much food that they were able to eat until they were full. And the, the employee even gave them a burger and fries to go as well so they could have more food later. And this impoverished individual felt so happy. Uh, they felt so happy they cried right there. 
and this employee broke the rules of uh, the McDonald's restaurant. But the, the boss there was able to accept this and didn't, uh, didn't punish the employee because the people involved could see that this quality of loving kindness is something that protects the world. It's a beautiful quality that protects the world. And so society was able to, to open and accept this behavior on the part of the employee. The employee acted outside of the rules of their job, outside of the rules of their place of employment, but they acted inside the bounds of Dhamma, inside the bounds of, of goodness, inside the bounds of uh, generosity. So helping impoverished individuals, this is something we do that is a great merit. And the benefit of this merit is happiness and fullness of heart. So whether one uh, gives to monastics or the poor or, um, or the needy, then this is merit uh, as well. So the Buddha taught to know this quality of generosity, to practice this quality of generosity. And further on from that, one also knows and practices sila, sila dhamma, the quality of virtue or morality. So for ourselves, we have this virtue, and this is a merit, a great merit, not stealing, not taking what's not given. And then if one has extra, one can give this away. And if individuals practice in this way, then society is at ease, is peaceful, because people don't feel like they have a great surplus that they have to protect. So this right view is something that's very important. When there's wrong view, then everything in one's life goes wrong. One doesn't see the benefits of generosity. One doesn't see the benefits of virtue. And this, uh, this just makes everything go in a wrong or in a bad way. And if one has the right view and practices virtue, then one is able to patiently endure with the difficulties of life. And this decreases uh, the problems one has for oneself and decreases the problems in society. Although if one has no virtue and no, does not patiently endure, then if we get hit, we hit back. If we get hurt, we hurt back. And it just goes on and on in this way. And this is what leads to wars starting between countries. It all comes down to a lack of virtue, a lack of sila. Therefore, we should practice virtue, practice generosity a lot. This is something we shouldn't be able to do. And this virtue and generosity leads to happiness wherever we go. Wherever we go, we'll feel this happiness of heart from these qualities of virtue and generosity that we've cultivated in our own minds. And we respect one another as well. We respect the, and this respect is a good quality in our hearts. We respect, we respect goodness and we uh, practice respecting the elderly, though not everyone in modern day uh, practices in this way but we can also respect the good qualities in people, even if they're younger than us. 
For instance, if a monk sees a novice uh, with good qualities, then they can respect that novice, even though they may be much younger. And there was one story from the Buddha's time where there was a novice standing outside the Buddha's hut, and some elder monks came to visit the Buddha, and they saw this very young uh, novice uh, outside the hut. And they thought the novice was uh, young, and um, they decided to be playful and pat him on the head and play with him a little bit before going to see the Buddha. And the Buddha received these elder monk visitors, and he asked them, he said, Oh, did you see the, the great Mahatera, the great elder outside the hut? And the, these older monks were surprised to hear the Buddha say this. And, the, and they found out that this novice was an arahant, fully enlightened being. So after this, the, the Teras, the elder monks, went to ask forgiveness from this novice. Because the novice, uh, while being young bodily, inside his mind, he was a great elder, was an arahant. And the novice, when the monks came to play with him and touch him on the head, he uh, was just in a state of equanimity because due to his high level of wisdom and attainment, he didn't cling to conventions, didn't cling to things in the world. He understood that um, these bodies are just conglomerations of the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. It's just the... It's just the form, materiality, and mentality. So he's able to let go and not, not cling to these things. So this respect, respect that we can cultivate is a very lofty quality. And it's one quality that gives rise to merit. And when people... When individuals make merit, then this leads to heaven, leads to heavenly states. And yet we see that in these uh, beautiful, pleasant, heavenly states, there's something that are not stable, not permanent. So given this, we train our minds to have renunciation, to have nikama. We practice renunciation. We practice to train our minds to be with just a single object to be mindful, and this gives rise to rapture and bliss, pity and sukha. And we contemplate to see the truth. Once the mind is peaceful in this way, we contemplate into the Dhamma. We see anicca, dukkha, anatta, the ever-changing, stressful, not-self nature of phenomena. We remember and we uh, put down the causes, put down the causes of suffering. And then we see that phenomena just arise and pass away. And we put down the causes of suffering, and then these causes arise again, put them down again, and we just contemplate this and see it as Dhamma. And we can see that this... Uh, when the mind doesn't have collectedness, doesn't have samadhi, and the mindfulness is low, is not very much, 
and the mind just chases after moods and feelings and sense impressions. And then the sense of self arises and we feel uh, an increased sense of self. So we need time. We need time to practice, we need time to contemplate one hour or two hours a day to contemplate the quality of not-self, to see this body as merely a, a pile of suffering, a pile of stress, something that's ever-changing, not permanent, not a me, not a mind, not a self. We contemplate to make the mind empty and collected, and this is something that we are capable of doing. So may you be intent in your Dhamma practice.